Good morning. How are y'all? Good. It's uh, sometimes when we get up here on the stage, it's hard to follow, um, like worshiping the Lord, um, because as we get into this place, that it's just it's such a holy place. Um, but I, I think as we move from there to here, and we get to hear what the Lord is telling us, that this sets us up well. Um, it sets us up to really listen with our hearts. Um, we've been in this series called Generous Life, and the first week, Giles got up here, and he spoke about um, how we bring quality to our time when we give it in the name of Jesus, right? And then last week, Caitlin came, and she gave an amazing um, talk about how whenever we go into these times that are really hard in our lives, that sometimes our talents mean that we're bringing things that have happened to us and we get to share those with other people. And as we give talent, that sometimes that's what it looks like. That it may be things that God has blessed us with, but God has actually blessed us with hard times so that we can share them with other people. Um, and my name's Josh. Um, if you don't know me, I'm on the teaching team here at Nexus. I'm also the Next Gen Minister, so I get to hang out with uh, high school and college students all the time. So, um, it is nice to meet you if I haven't met you. Uh, met you. I, I don't know English sometimes. So, um, but it is um, nice to be here with you today. And um, if you haven't heard any of those other um, talks, then you can go to gaten.church slash media and hear those. And I think it sets up well um, for what we're talking about today. And today we're talking about giving treasure, okay? So giving treasure. So um, if you, this is your first time in church in a long time, if um, you are really not sure what you think about this whole Jesus thing, you're not really sure if you want to follow him, this is a really good day for you to be here. And the reason why is because we're going to give you some insight into what Jesus followers say about something that is really um, kind of important within our world and something that a lot of people talk about, and that is money. Um, and the anxiety level in the room just like went up three degrees, right? So like everybody's like, oh, money, like you don't talk about money in church. It's not a real good feeling. I don't really know how I feel about that. Um, because there's really a couple different ways that we can look at money, um, right? We can look at money as if like, ooh, money brings me anxiety, right? Like, I don't have enough of that, and my life right now is really hard because there's really not enough money to be spread around. Or, or maybe it's like, oh, no, you didn't, Josh. You don't bring money up in church. This is not the place to talk about that. It is, you have private conversations about that, but it's not really something that we talk about in the open a lot. Or it's like, no, I, I really like money. Money's kind of my thing, you know, like not only do I not have enough money, but I want more money. So, um, so those are the kind of things that I came up with. And I'm sure you've got your own way that you look at money. But um, as we look at that, I think we don't have to go far into that conversation before we realize that money is a big part of our world, but it's also a big problem within our world, Right? The money is a big problem within our world, and in that, um, I think we have to talk about the state of where we are right now as a nation and as people. Um, so right now, our nation is in a $22 trillion round number there. Um, that's 
goes up every day. So uh, $22 trillion in debt. The household, average household debt right now is somewhere around $137,000 per household in America. Um, college students, for those of you who are either in college or looking to go in college, I'm speaking to you high schoolers right now here, if that's something you want to do. Um, $35,000 is what your parents are going to come out of college with. Um, in debt, and you yourselves are averaging somewhere around $30,000. So that's 65 total between parents and uh, students to come out of college with. And some of you are looking at me and going, that is not nearly high enough, right? Like I'm coming out with way more than that. Like student loans are expensive, right? So we go into that and money is something we have to deal with, but it can be a huge problem within our lives. And the reality is, even if we're not in debt, even if we've planned really well, sometimes money, um, we still have a problem with it, right? Because even though we may have enough, it's never enough. You know what I mean? Like, there's always the next thing to buy. There's something at the house that breaks down. There's the car that you got to get fixed. There's the, you know, fill in the blank. Whatever that next thing is. Um, So I think we actually have to dive deeper into this problem and and realize that our money problem isn't actually a money problem. Our money problem doesn't have a lot to do with money at all, actually. It has to do with how we look at money. And that's not really a money problem, that's a heart problem. Our money problem is not a money problem at all, it's a heart problem. And our heart, our heart is what affects the way we look at the world. Our heart is what drives our money. So the question I have for you today is, what's your heart after? What is your heart after? Well, um, in that, I'd like to tell you a little bit about my heart. Um, So um, up here on the screen, you'll see, I think it's the next slide. Yeah, so that is Nicole and I. Um, So Nicole and I got married this past April. Um, So about two years ago, um, maybe like 18 months ago, something like that, uh, God put it on my heart that um, Nicole and I were supposed to be um, married, right? There's only one problem with that. And if most of you um, who are married in the audience may know what I'm talking about, when you are ready to go get married, Um, usually that means you don't have a lot of money. Um, So for me, that was an issue, right? Um, Even though I was a little older, I had taken a job that um, I was working a part-time job at a church and then a part-time job um, at a restaurant as well. And so I was like, hey, look, dude, I ain't got no cash. Like, I can't really make this happen. I don't have the money for this ring that I need to buy, right? So I did the only logical thing that I knew to do, um, I made Nicole buy her own ring. <laughs> no, that's obviously that's not what I did, right? <laughs> like everybody in the room is like, I'm laughing because I hope that that's a joke, right? <laughs> so, um, no, I did not make Nicole buy her own ring. I um, I did what any logical person would do. I sat down and I said, okay, what does my spending look like, right? Like, what extra shifts do I need to work? How many times can I not go to Starbucks this week? How many times can I change the way that I spend my money based on where my heart is at? And it wasn't a burden to do this, right? No one would say, 
oh my gosh, this is so hard. I, like, I have to buy my future wife an engagement ring, right? That's almost a goofy statement coming out of my mouth. But in reality, it was a pleasure to do this. It's something I wanted to do because I use what I have for the sake of the one I love. I use what I have for the sake of the one I love. And this speaks to something about our hearts. And we know it's true. Our hearts drive our actions. Our hearts drive what we do. And you see this um, when Jesus talks to people. Jesus doesn't just speak to people's actions. He does speak to people's actions, but he actually goes a level deeper than that, and he speaks to people's hearts. He speaks to what's happening on the inside of them. There's a specific place that I want to look at today where Jesus is talking about people's hearts. So um, it's in the book of Matthew, otherwise known as the gospel of Matthew, where gospel means good news. So this is the good news about Jesus. So this is Jesus's life, death, and resurrection is what this story of Matthew is. And in this, Matthew has given an eyewitness account. This is a guy who has walked with Jesus in Jesus' life. And in that, Matthew tells us about this first teaching that Jesus gave. It's what a lot of people call like the capstone, not capstone, but the um, apex of Jesus' teaching. And if you've been around church for a little while, um, you may have heard of this. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Sermon on the Mount. So we'll be in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 19 today. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Um, But before we get into that, um, just real quick, as he walks through some things in Matthew 6, you'll actually see how Jesus is dealing with people's hearts first. He actually talks about, Um, how we don't just give to the poor to get noticed or how when we pray, prayer's not really about us. It's about God and how God wants to affect us. He's speaking to our heart this whole time. And when we fast, that we should fast, not doing it for other people so that they'll see us, but God, that Jesus is speaking to our heart so that we could actually change our lives towards God and what he wants for us. And that's what fasting is about. And in this, Jesus wants to talk about where we place our value because that says a lot about where our hearts are at. So before we get into this, if you would, please pray with me. God, as we look into your word, God, we ask that you would reveal it to us, that you would reveal to us what you want us to know. God, I pray that you would open our hearts, that we would be able to listen. God, and that we would start to evaluate where our value is at. God, we thank you for the ability to do this. It's in your precious and wonderful name we pray. Amen. Okay, so starting in verse 19. Verse 19. This is what it says. It says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay, so it's like putting ones on earth, ones in heaven, right? Okay, 
So I started thinking about this, and I was like, I remember my first, like, big purchase. Is there, does anybody remember their first big purchase that they made that was like, I am using my money to buy this thing, right? So for me, it was a 60-inch um, TV that was like 3D, 1080 HP. I, I don't even know if that's the right. 1080p, I think is what it's called. Um, 1080p, and you put on these glasses, right? And as soon as you put on those glasses, it was like wherever you were watching, all of a sudden you were like there, right? And so I would put on my 3D glasses, and I would watch the Cowboys game because I'm from Texas, and that's what we did. So I would put on my, some, my glasses, and I would watch the Cowboys game, and it was like I was in the midst of AT&T Studio. And like the crowds around me, right? It's this amazing thing. Um, and then like three months later, um, somebody broke into my apartment and stole it. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. Um, it was like the big thing that I had done. I'd spent a lot of money on this TV and then all of a sudden somebody breaks in and steals it, right? And for me, I was like, that's about right. You know, like that, that's exactly what would happen. I, I buy this really nice TV and then this happens. But the reality is, if we think about that TV and we look at this verse, it shows us things aren't going to last, right? Things that exist here, they don't last. My TV, even if I still had the TV, well, now there would be a bigger, better TV, right? That was a, I think it was a plasma at the time. I don't even think they make plasma TVs anymore, right? So... The reality is, things here don't last. That's what it says here in the verse. Where moth and rust destroyed, there's either it's going to fade out because it doesn't work anymore, or something's going to come and like some animal's going to eat it, right? Or where thieves, this is my scenario, where thieves break in and steal it. If things don't have, things of value don't last, we really shouldn't keep our value in them. So where do you find your value? Do you find your value in things that won't last? Do you find your value in that new thing that you're searching after? That new job? That new TV? That new relationship? That new college? Where do you find your value? And Jesus goes on to say here, um, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Um, in that, I, I think that's because Jesus is speaking to something deeper that he knows to be true, that we as Christians, they can call them Christians here, but as followers of Jesus, we find our value in the eternal. We find our value in who God says we are. We find our value in who God is and who he says we are. And then Jesus speaks into it and he really like kind of hits us in the gut with it. Right? He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be, will be also. Jesus is saying here is you don't really have to ask people what they love. You don't really have to ask. 
Where do they spend their time? Where do they spend their talent? And what's their bank account go to? Those three things will tell you about a person's heart. Those three things will tell you the condition of your heart. So, that brings us to another question. Where are you investing your treasure? Where do you find your value? Where's your heart at? And the problem is that our hearts are pursuing after something in, in a lot of scenarios where it's not going to be filled up by the thing that we're pursuing. It won't be filled up. Um, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when, inf- when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. And Jesus tells us why right after, right? So this is what he says. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Other versions say you cannot serve God and money. This word here is the word mammon, which is actually a form of idol worship to money. And so Jesus pinned these two things on either side. And as I looked at this, I said, okay, what's, what's he even trying to say here, right? Like, what is, what is happening? Um, so Jesus is saying, you either got healthy eyes or you've got dark eyes. If you've got the healthy eyes, you see as God wants you to see. If you've got dark eyes, that means you see the way you want to see. Okay? In this, we can look at everything in our world through either these healthy eyes or these dark eyes, and this reveals something that's true about our hearts. We can look at people as if they are, through healthy eyes, made in the image of God and therefore have inherent value, or we can look at them as assets to be used for our benefit. We can look at our time as a gift from God to be used for him, or we can use them for me. We can use our time for me and for my kingdom. We can use our talent for God's promotion or for our own self-promotion. And we can use our money to give to God and his kingdom here. Or we can use it for our own purposes. And I think we have to come to this place where we really understand what money is. Um, for Christians, when you change your heart, it changes 
how you look at money. And as we invest, we invest not in the worldly, but in the eternal. And we use our money as a way to invest in the eternal. So, in that, I think you've really got to look at this um, as like, okay, how do I how do I look at the world? Like, what does that even look like? How do I how do I change my view? And for me, I, I've got this phrase that has stuck with me for a really long time now, and it's Jesus is the lens through which we see the rest of life. Jesus is the lens through which we see the rest of life. So that whenever I look at something, I look at, okay, what does Jesus say about this? And now, okay, once I determine what Jesus says about this, now I can know how to react. I can know the direction that I'm supposed to follow, right? So Jesus first, then everything else is in light of the fact that I have faith in Jesus, that he is going to lead me to where I need to go, okay? So Jesus is the lens through which we see the rest of life. And I believe that if we do that first, that will change everything. That will change the way you see, your, see people. That will change the way you use your time. That will change the way you use your talent. That will change the way that we look at money. We will no longer look at money as a way to promote myself, as a way to just buy things for myself. But we will look at it as a tool to be used for eternal purposes. And for me, there is nothing greater than we could do than God's eternal purpose for us, which is to live with him in our lives and then to serve others. But there's already this, um, this kind of feeling that kind of wells up on the inside of us, right? Um, where we start talking about money and we're like, hey, Josh, I, uh, I got bills. I got bills to pay, right? Like, let's be for real. Like, I got, I got car bills, I got, I got a mortgage. Um, we just talked about $137,000 worth of debt, and some of you are going, that's cheap. My house in short pump was a lot more expensive than that. Um, so I, we got a little more debt than that, right? I got to pay these bills. The great news is Jesus already knows you were going to say that before he said it. That's why in this teaching right after that, his literal next phrase is, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Don't be anxious about it. I got you. He then goes on to say, you see the birds? They don't have to worry about it. I feed them. You see the fields? They don't have to worry about clothing. I put flowers all over them. And not even... King Solomon, who was the richest guy that ever existed on the planet, has clothes like the fields got clothes. Therefore, if you follow me, you don't have to worry about the rest of this. You don't have to be anxious about where your money's going to come from. You don't have to be anxious about how much time you're spending if you're spending it for my purposes. And then he says this, and I think if we'll grasp onto this, I think that it will change everything. Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 
seek first the kingdom of God, that as I see Jesus first, that the rest of it falls in line. And that God's going to take care of what you can't take care of. We've tried to take the place of God for far too long. We've tried to step in and say, God, I can control this. When he hasn't called us to do that. Will you give God your heart? Will you you give him control? Will you let him change the way that you see things? Because when your heart is changed... Your money has changed. When your heart has changed, your money has changed. So we don't see money as something to be pursued, but we see it as a gift that was given to us by God to be used for his kingdom. That we see it as something physical that I can have now, that I can change the world eternally by doing that. And that's a pretty grandiose like idea, right? It's like, okay, that sounds cool. How's the 20 bucks in my pocket change like eternity, right? Like how does that work? That's a, that's a worldly thing to like a transfer to eternal. I don't really get the exchange process there, right? So this is how we do that. First, um, I want you, before we get there, to evaluate your heart. I want you to evaluate what's going on on the inside of you. I want you to really take some inventory. Say, what am I pursuing after? Like, if I look at my bank account, what what does it say I'm going after? Where's my time at? And I think before we ever decide that we're going to pursue after Things and we just start to do things for God, I think we need to just change our hearts a little bit. And then our to-dos for God will take care of themselves. That's how, that's how all of this works, is that God changes our hearts, and this no longer becomes a burden, and we use our money for the sake of the one that we love. So, Second part to that is evaluate your budget. Now, I don't know if you're on a budget. Um, My wife and I are on a budget, and um, she's really good at maintaining our budget. I don't maintain the budget. She's the the really organized one out of the two of us. I talk um, a lot. So um, I don't really have, like, I'm just kind of all over the place sometimes when it comes to budgeting. But she has put us on in a place to where we know where we're spending our money and that's a really good place to be because we can see, is this lined up with what I believe to be true about myself? Is my budget lined up with eternal purposes? And when you do that, you can start to give to God's kingdom. Um, And one of the places you can do that is if you consider this to be your church home here at Gaten, you can give here. And eternal purposes here mean that if you're investing here, you're investing in the lives of kids that are right now in small groups over in our kids' wing. That you're investing in students here on a Sunday night who get to hear about Jesus and get to learn what it means to walk in a relationship with him. 
It means that you invest in the community that you're in. It means that we get to do things like feed my starving children and we get to do things like jail ministry and spirit of baseball because we are investing here into our family. That we get to invest in other places that are not even here. There's a family, um, their daughter comes to our small group um, and... They're in Peru right now, telling people about Jesus. And we get to be invested into Jesus being preached in Peru by investing here now. And I think once we get to that place, we go, okay, all right, cool. So how, how do I do that? I, I think that there's a couple different steps. Um, so this is what um, I call the giving ladder. So the giving ladder, sorry, I made this graphic. It's not a Clint graphic. This isn't very pretty, but it's practical and it works. So um, so first one is the first-time giver. First-time giver, right? So if you've never given before, ever, your first step is just to do it, right? So it's just to say, hey, I feel like God's calling me to do this. We're going to do the offering here in just a little bit, and I'm going to give what I have in my pocket to this, right? Like, I... It doesn't have to be a tremendous amount. It doesn't, it's just I'm going to commit to giving because I believe God has called me to do it. And then our next step, if you already give on a regular basis, uh, I mean, if you already have given before, is to give on a regular basis. So that's a regular giver, okay? So you decide that, hey, when I show up at church, I'm going to give on a regular basis. For me, this was a real problem, and maybe you students know this, um, I would like spend my money before I would ever show up at church, right? So like I had like a, uh, what my parents called it, cash burning a hole in my pocket, right? And so for me, I would always show up to church on Sunday and I had really good intentions. I wanted to give at church on Sunday, but um, I didn't bring cash with me and I either already deposited in the bank or I just forgot to cash out. So um, there's this really great thing now that you can actually give online. Um, So I'll talk about that here in just a second. Third one. Um, in our giving ladder, is a percentage giver. So if you have set up your budget to give, you can actually say, okay, I'm figuring out where I've got some margin here. I'm figuring out where I can cut back on a couple Starbucks a month, right? And I'm going to give a certain percentage of my money. Maybe it's 2%, maybe it's um, 2% of your income, maybe it's 3% of your income. I'm really not sure what it looks like for you but we start giving a percentage of what we make. And one thing that you hear around church a lot are this fourth one, which is uh, a a tithe giver, okay? So tithe is this word, which means 10%, um, which is 10% of your money given. And there's biblical basis for this. And I think that's a really good place to be, is to be a tithe giver. Um, But again, I don't want this just to be a to-do. I don't want this to just be something that um, that burdens your heart. It's not a burden to give to the one that you love. I think when God changes our hearts, then that changes the way that we even look at our money and we start to invest it in the eternal. And the last one in the giving ladder is a generous giver. I think that God does call us to give 10%, but he also allows us to build margin within 
so that when things come up, that you can do some amazing things with the money that God has given you. Um, my wife and I have the privilege of giving to two little girls overseas um, through an organization called Compassion International. Um, Compassion is an amazing, wonderful organization where they feed these kids, they make sure they're taken care of, they educate them, and then they tell them about Jesus. And we only do that, we only have the opportunity to do that because we've worked that into the margin within and I think as we start to look at our money and how we spend it, we'll start to see that God has blessed us more than we can ever realize. He already has. And he promises that he'll continue to bless you through this. All of that to say, that I don't want this to be a burden to you guys. I don't want this to be a guilt trip. It wasn't a guilt trip whenever I bought my wife a ring. I didn't feel like I had to. I wanted to. Because my heart was after her. If you're struggling with that, and you've got a heart that really wants to pursue after the Lord, but you're holding on to your money, we want to talk to you about that. There's resources that we can point you towards. We want to have conversations with you. But I believe that when our heart changes, our money changes. So, if you would, please pray with me. God, thank you for this time that you revealed your truth to us. God, and we are going to go into a time of giving here where we get to give back to you because you've given us more than we could have ever asked for. God, change our hearts. Change who we are so that when we give, that we would give with thankful hearts, that we would give with generous hearts. And that it wouldn't be about the money, but it would be about you and your purposes. That it would be about you and your kingdom and your righteousness. And that when we see that first, then our resources are just that. They're resources to be used for your eternal purposes. God, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts. God, and we are thankful that you sent your son Jesus to teach us these things. We are thankful that he died for us, that we might have a relationship with you. God, and we are thankful that you speak into our lives and that we don't have a list of to-dos, God, but that we get to move out of your love for us. So, God... Praise you for who you are. It's in your wonderful and precious name. Amen.